This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? I'm your host, Rashan. Welcome to a brand new episode and the start of season two of Inspiring Design. Bit of a throwback, I ended season one with an engaging conversation and insight into design thinking alongside Selena Griffith from UNSW. In that episode, we spoke about the importance in understanding the insight of the students, whether secondary or tertiary. So this actually got me thinking. So I thought, what better way to do this than actually ask our future leaders? Season 2 will entirely be dedicated to design thinking our way through education and design, featuring students from all over Australia in various subject areas, disciplines and stages in their education career. So to kick things off in style, I have a very unique episode with two special guests today, Cameron Topping and Shannon Rowe. They're both QUT Creative Industries students in third year. Cameron is 24, born and bred designer. He is not only passionate about design and sustainability and the future of tech, he's also an exec member of QUT BIM Club and is a firm believer of real-world experiences influencing his design methodology. Shannon, on the other hand, is 20 years old, born in Melbourne, and she has lived in Detroit, Michigan, and now picking some major career goals working at an architectural firm alongside her studies. She's traveled to Oxford on exchange and now doing some amazing work in affordable zero-waste homes. So today's all about discovering the student's point of view of tertiary education. So welcome to the show, guys. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Can you guys start off with a little bit of background and history of yourself, like your story? Yeah. Thank you, first. Australia, as you said, and then I grew up in the US, so I've got a bit of an accent. Um, I love that, by the way. <laughs> at least your accent is actually recognizable. Mine's a mix of everything. Right. Well, I feel like I'm sort of getting there now. I kind of pick up more Australian, and it's it's a bit of a mix now. I get like Canadian a lot, New Zealand. So you mistaken for a lot of different places. Yeah. Um, so my family's up on the sunny coast, and I sort of spent um, my school years there mm-hmm. since I moved back. And yeah, now doing university in uh, Brisbane. Awesome, good stuff. What about you, Cam? Um, so I've lived in Brisbane my whole life. Um, went to university from straight from uh, high school. Um, went into a Bachelor of Photography, which um, at the time I thought was great and followed my passion. <laughs> um, got about halfway through that and then started to have some doubts, but um, finished off my education anyway. Um, was taking a lot of photos of different buildings and landscapes and things like that in my course. and. Um, it was kind of over a year between both my photography and my architecture course I'm doing now that I kind of discovered my passion for it and then went for it. Um, and now I'm currently in my third year. So. Awesome. I mean, photography is something that goes along hand, hand uh, side by side anyway. So yeah. it's, it's, I think, quite not a waste of time. I'm sensitive a little bit of an undertone yeah, there. Yeah. But, um, so what are you guys studying at the moment? Like your majors and minors? 
Uh, right, so I'm doing architecture as a major and then landscape design as a minor and then doing some electives as well. So going to Oxford, I sort of got to do some yep. of my electives there. So yep. It's kind of hard to study all architecture subjects overseas because it's so um, based on what you're doing here and there's a lot of core units and yeah, it's very hard to transfer those overseas. Yeah, so yeah, like put, let's put a pin on that Oxford thing because I do want to come back and learn how your experience was there. But uh, what about you, Cam? Um, so similarly, my major is in architectural studies and my minor is in landscape. Um, and then at the end of the year, I'm going to New York for a oh, awesome. overseas work integrated learning opportunities. Yep. So looking forward to that. Definitely. So is that working in an architectural firm over there? Or? Um, so it's like a mixed experience of different uh, companies and uh, things I'm doing over there. Yep. So that's with a number of different uh, course units within the design faculty. So there's interior design students, landscape, fashion. Awesome. So it'll be great to see kind of some different uh, points of view. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that you both have chosen that exchange route because um, every time a student comes back, they've got positive things to say. And I think um, we've got a future epic recording coming up with the importance of travel and design, especially in the education career. So that's really cool. So what made you guys pick architecture? Like you've already touched base on it a little bit, but is it literally because of you know, your love for building design or is there something else? What was the transition from high school and making that choice? Um, so I went straight from high school to uni and at first I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was sort of um, undecided right up through till year 12. Originally I wanted to go into animation or something a little bit more creative, but I was also really good at computers because I'd done uh, graphics works from like grade 9 onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also really good at art, but I think the lack of job opportunities in things like animation and a lot of other more creative-based fields uh, was sort of worrying to my parents, and so they were kind of a little bit hesitant on that. And I had a friend who wanted to go into architecture, and she was very passionate about it from mm-hmm. a young age. So I thought, oh, I think I'd be all right at that. We were both we both studied graphics together. We're both pretty good at it. Um, she is now at UQ and I'm at QUT, but... Ooh, who made the right <laughs> We still don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was sort of how I ended up doing architecture. It was kind of like a, oh, we'll just see how this goes kind okay. of moment. But now I'm sort of this far in, I'm really enjoying it, and I still feel like I'm quite good at it as well. And yeah. so, yeah. Well, that's good. Some people usually get into that road and find out two or three years later that's not what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, same thing happened to me, except I was actually in the industry two weeks into working full time. So oh, good on you for doing that. <laughs> but here we are. Go on. Yeah. Here. So in my case, um, I got to the end of year 12, um, kind of really being kind of pushed into university, having seen that as my main goal. So when you mean pushed into, do you mean your parents or influence from your school? Um, a bit of both. Okay. Um, but like I always wanted to do university in some in some uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I had architecture as one of my top um, picks, uh, but my OP score wasn't really high enough mm-hmm. to get into that. I also didn't study high-level maths or graphics, so I basically got told by a guidance counsellor to essentially drop that from my QTAC mm-hmm. and then focus on something else, Right, um, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, went into photography, which was something that I really loved and enjoyed. Is that despite you wanting to do architecture? Um, 
I mean, I guess I just at that age, I just kind of crossed that out of my okay out of my mind because um, I was expert at life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you get told not to do certain things, or like, yeah. oh, you can't really get into that. And you mm. just sort of think, oh, this is an adult telling me these things. I yeah. just have to, I have to take that on board. Because yeah. at that time, um, I think QT architecture was like an OP five, and I got an OP okay. eleven. Yeah. So then I was like, well, the gap between those two places is yeah. too big. So I went in and did my um, Bachelor of Photography, mm-hmm. um, did a couple of electives in design strategy, mm-hmm. just similar to like what you're about, Rashad. Yeah. Um, and that really opened up my eyes through meeting um, a lot of really influential people that did real-world projects in um, third-world countries mm-hmm. and things like that. And from that point, I then grew my interest in physical design iterations in reality rather than documenting those designs. Yeah. Um, so it took me about a year to really figure out what I wanted to do, and then eventually I came back to architecture. Mm-hmm. And then having done my course previously in photography, I was able to come straight into architecture. Mm-hmm. And that jump, whilst challenging, I realized that there's a lot of other skills that are used in the profession yeah. that I'm strong at and that I have passion in yeah. and that I can drive myself forward through that. Oh, most definitely. And I think this is, again, a bit of a throwback to when I spoke with Leanne Kemp, um, the Queef, uh, Queensland chief entrepreneur. She actually mentioned something. She spoke about skills currency. Yeah. And skills currency is essentially what you just talked about, those transferable skills where they can fit into almost anything you do, whether it's photography or anything. Even if you go into sales and marketing, you guys will be able to achieve well in that and, and progress in it. So that, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And both of you kind of mentioned that the fact that you know the decisions were guided by your school, the adults in your life at that time. So this is actually really powerful because I think well, I have a lot of teachers listening at a secondary level. So you guys really need to take that on board. Like I'm not talking to Shannon and Cam here. I'm actually talking to the teachers listening. That was actually their experience and there are a lot of students, even myself, went through a similar sort of a situation. So not saying it's good or bad, but how much influence the teachers have at that secondary level over your adult life and setting yourself up. So that's pretty cool. But let's talk a little bit about the future. We talked about the past now. What are your career aspirations in terms of looking at your 5, 10, 20, 30, 50, rest of your career? <laughs> um, this sort of goes back to what you were even just saying that I even think a lot of students get sort of pushed into university from so young and you really don't know what you want to be doing for the rest of your life at, at you know, 18. I certainly didn't and I almost feel like I'll, I'll go through to graduate architecture but whether that's going to be whether that's what I'm going to be doing you know 50 years from now I have no idea and yeah. I almost hope not in a way because it's sort of exciting to think that you could be doing multiple different things you could have so many different jobs and career paths in your life you're not just stuck with the first thing that you pick um, yeah, definitely. in high school you know um, I mean our parents generation there was an average of two career changes per lifetime. Mm. Do you guys know the average for us? It's got to be like yeah, five or something. 20, isn't it? It's, it's 16. <laughs> it's 16. And I actually had this conversation with my um, brother and sister, and we were talking about, we were actually counting the number of career changes that I've had compared to him. He's much more conventional. Mm-hmm. And he's had, I think he had three or four from memory. And that's because of his scholarship, right? So he went through that standard conventional. I've actually had 19. 
It's ridiculous. Wow. So it's I'm past the average now. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think it's sort of much better to look at your actual passions and life values and work out different careers based around that, as opposed to thinking of what what that looks like and that certain outcomes and what job that is. Just yep. sort of look at. You know, for example, I really want to get into sustainability, and that could be through architecture or some other different type of um, activism or design, or it could be anything really. And yep. as long as I'm sort of sticking to my core values of what I want to be in my life in general, I think I could quite happily do that. And I think that's the thing as well is that architecture itself is such a broad subject that it fits into so many different categories of knowledge and careers. So. In that sense, it can drive you towards so many different areas. But in my personal experience, mm-hmm. what I've really gotten value out of is experiences that give me an idea of what the actual career of a thing is, aside from what just the passion is. Yeah. Because the passion is like a little flame. Yeah. That <laughs> it's your life. Over time, yeah. it can get kind of burnt out, as a lot of people do. But the, um, the career aspect is kind of that balance between passion and what you're good at and you can sustain for a period of time and it just takes a long time to find that in my experience. Oh, definitely. And do you guys think as, a, as third year students, you guys are, you have a few more years at uni, do you think you've found that? Um, I a tough question. <laughs> personally think that I've found that now, okay. but my university career has obviously been a bit longer than most. Um, Absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. But um, yeah, I definitely think that this is what I'm going to end up doing in terms of the broad area. Mm-hmm. But the specificity of exactly what is the question yeah. now in my life. It's like, what else do I do? Where else do I push myself in terms of study or a career? Um, so whether or not that's just within an architecture firm trying to try out lots of different things mm-hmm. um, or it's starting my own firm and doing my own projects for a bit yeah, um, yeah. who knows you might become an animator and steal challenge what about yourself um, yeah I think I don't think I've quite found like the like the passion yet. I'm still sort of growing on it. I only recently sort of got into sustainability last year, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm thinking of doing now will look very different to what I'd like to do probably in a year's time. But uh, I guess ideally, you know, everyone wants to have their own firm and to be able to create their own designs and, and yeah. do what they really want to do. So you want your design get built? Yeah, and actually have the power to make a difference as well. Um, so I'd le- I'd love to get into like social housing or zero waste homes or something like that. And mm-hmm. being able to actually, you know, come up with new technologies, which is something Cam's very good at, yeah. and, uh, being able to do that, and then you know, see that be built, and actually see that benefit people would be amazing. That's awesome. So that's sort of where I'm currently heading, hopefully. Yeah, and I look, it's something that always changes and evolves as you grow as well. So this is why it's tied in with your skills currency and your. You know, portfolio of skill sets so that's nothing nothing wrong with that and I think this is what a lot of educators are also struggling with because there's jobs that didn't exist five years ago and there's going to be jobs that doesn't exist now in five years from now so who knows if that might be aligned more with what our passion you guys might actually be inventing a certain job that doesn't exist now we don't know yeah. so that's the beauty of it but um, that's pretty cool to understand where you guys are headed and that's it's actually very much similar to how I thought back then. Um, so, that, 
I can see the same patterns coming up over and over again. If we're looking at your transition from secondary to tertiary, this is tricky, but I want to ask you guys what didn't work well. Like, what do you, what would you redo or ask the schooling system or people in your life at that time to improve or to guide you more on? What would you redo if you could? It's a bit of a tough one. Yeah, so like at sort of at a secondary level. So, so like, going into secondary to tertiary, picking yeah. your you know that um, time period where you explained how you chose architecture and you know went through that transition. So that's the part where I feel like there's a there's a lot of um, if there's misguided information can direct students in the wrong way mm -hmm. and potentially you know not waste their time but then distract them from where they actually should end up in. So what are your thoughts on I mean, In my case, I didn't realize that TAFE was a, quite a good option okay. for what I was going to look at. Is I that really, because of the lack of information? I just didn't really give it any, um, any thoughts and okay. my whole focus was on university and I didn't realize other alternative pathways that mm -hmm. could have gotten me into what I wanted to do at that time. Yeah. Um, so I basically just didn't have that idea that if I studied just anything for a year, then that gives me the equivalent of an OP5, and then I could have just transferred across. Yeah. Or that I could have done other things that would have given me course credit points for the thing that I actually wanted to do. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways now of actually getting to the same place that More just don't really give you, you know, that much, that many... Um, reasons why you can't do it necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so essentially you're saying if that information was made available to you, that would have been helpful? Um, yeah, like it, it probably would have. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I was younger, I didn't really make the connection between there's a difference between doing what you love, which mm -hmm. is your hobby, yep. and there's a difference <laughs> between doing what is work, <laughs> which is True. two different things. Yeah. So you often get told this idea of like, oh, just do what you love. And then I feel like a lot of people who are younger and when I was in that position just essentially want to do their hobby yeah. full time, Yeah. which is <laughs> fine if some people... Sounds like a dream. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like a dream. And for people that find that, that's great. But... In terms of my own experience, um, there was a big difference between the things that I did mm. that were fun and then the things that I'm actually innately good at. Yeah. Um, I think if you try to turn anything that you love into a job as well, it's never really just going to become a job. It'll lose all of like the joy and love that you want to have. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, so, times, but. I think what I'm trying to say is that the more opportunities that teachers and um, people who are guiding young people give to actually experience those jobs firsthand, mm -hmm. like what they're like, yep. then the more that people can actually realise what the actual industry is compared to what the idea of the industry is, yep. which is a thing because like the idea of the industry gets sold in universities, obviously, yep. is that like it's going to be all sunshine rainbows <laughs> and then <laughs> once you actually get out and you start doing the actual paperwork yep. and the hard work then it's a lot different yeah yeah. so you essentially would like the good the bad and the ugly being shown up oh yeah yeah 100% because then when you find the good the bad and the ugly yourself <laughs> it, it isn't so fun yeah fair enough what about yourself um 
Well, it's hard. I, I went to like a private school and um, I was always quite academic as well and everyone in my family went to university and mm-hmm. it's sort of just like you feel so much pressure, you don't even realise that not going to university is an option, even though like, they'll say in, in school that, you know, oh, you can go to tape, you don't have to go straight out, you can do a gap year, which is really popular, but it was always just sort of like, you're almost, you have to go out and do university if you want, you know, to make people proud, you think, oh, she's doing something with her life, right? Yeah. So I guess even though I knew that there were other, like, options for me, I didn't really consider it viable. I always thought that, you know, university was sort of, like, the only way I could really go. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess, I, I think just having, what Cam said, like, a more real-world world sort of experience in high school would have been nice in that you mm. can actually, um, I guess, go out and really see what's out there. Yeah. As, so you do, like, work experience and, yeah. and things like that, but... Yeah, you don't really get a feel for it, and maybe that's something that can only come with actual time and going yeah. to university and realizing True. that maybe that's not for you and there's other mm. stuff out there and things like that. Well, this like is that. the thing. Like, I think there, because of social media and what's being portrayed online, that becoming a college dropout and becoming some entrepreneur and being being a billionaire is, a, is an idea that's sold that's oh, almost yeah. a reachable thing yeah. that you think you can do that. So why would you waste four years or five years of, you know, sometimes six, seven years at uni getting a degree and that can be a cool college dropout and become a millionaire. But I think if you look at the people that has done that, there's one or two people in the world that's an anomaly. But so personally, I think I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of, I think, going through the university system because it teaches you exactly that, what you just said, where you get to find yourself rather than the actual subject content. Right. Yeah. What works for you, what doesn't, um, and meet people from you know ridiculous amounts of backgrounds and work with people in different settings. And hey, if, if what you studied didn't isn't what you end up doing, that's fine. At least you, you know what it. you don't want it yeah, to. Now. Exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because I think it allows you to think at a high level, which is what yeah. tertiary education is higher learning. So. Um, I'm right alongside what you guys are saying, so that's perfect. One of the things, now we just talked about um, your recent past. If we look at your recent future for a second, the next three, uh, I'd say two to three, four years, do you think the tertiary education system that you've experienced has set you up or is setting you up right so that you can enter the industry and kick some goals? Um, well, I think it's interesting, like, I'm doing the sort of a work integrated learning class at the moment, mm-hmm. which allows me to sort of go into an actual firm and work and get some experience, and just from, I've just spent two full days there now, and I feel like that sort of taught me more than I have learned at university. That's a pretty powerful statement. <laughs> uni is, like, extremely important, and I still need it, and I needed to, like, learn the design process and everything, and mm-hmm. know how to draw and kind of come up with ideas and things like that, but knowing, like, there's just a whole other level in the workforce that you just don't get to at uni, which is, you know, things like budget, which gets totally yes. ignored, which is so important in the workforce. It's like the top factor, I guess, in design. Yeah. Um, and also things just like calling up, you know, clients and also um, like manufacturers and, and different places where you can actually sort of talk to people and look at um, resources and things like that is something you don't really think about at uni. I think sure. you probably do, Cam, you go a bit a step further, but, yeah. but looking at actually where you can, you know, get materials as opposed to just saying... Mm. I'd like to use this material. Yeah. It's something that it's just such a 
a basic level you get at uni, and so... I mean, it's another constraint you have to design with. Yeah. And it becomes more difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess, an extra level of thinking mm-hmm. in the workforce that you really can only learn by going and doing it. Okay, cool. So, so what would actually work well, do you think, in your opinion? At uni? Yeah. Um, it's hard because I think like QUT has a great sense on you know the real-world experience and everything, but mm-hmm. I guess maybe you can still sort of go a bit further in mm-hmm. some ways. But then also, I think you need to learn the sort of idealistic way as well that yep. isn't as practical. I think both are kind of necessary, and you almost there's a problem that a lot of architects feel even professionals, that you need to go somewhere in the middle between the ideal and the realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you if you skip all of the ideal for a second, mm-hmm. then the next generation of leaders aren't actually coming through with fresh new ideas. They're just coming through yeah. with exactly the same stuff yep. that's been in the industry and mm-hmm. that has set the tone of how things are. So you kind of want students to have some fresh ideas and have some concepts, even if they might be perhaps a tiny bit unrealistic, hopefully in the future, like, they aren't as much. Yeah. That's right. And, and look, I think that level of, that balance that you actually really beautifully described, you need that. Mm-hmm. It allows you to then push the boundaries, work with clients and actually do things that are different and keep constantly pushing those boundaries over and over again. But if you're happy to stay within that bubble, just keep doing the realistic, mm-hmm. then what happens in the world? You just stagnate yeah. almost. So that's, that's yeah. really brilliant. I'm so happy to hear like you guys are realizing these things at such an early age. Yeah. I definitely did not think like this at a third year level. <laughs> what about yourself, Cam? Like, what are your thoughts on the tertiary education system preparing for the industry? Um, so essentially I'm part of a student group that is trying to make some connections between different courses within construction or building information modeling mm-hmm. that will then be working together in the future. So awesome. we kind of get some knowledge of how different things work together, how different students are learning, what programs they're learning, and then how all of that fits together within a building information modeling kind of environment. Yeah. Um, so from that stance at QT, we maybe don't learn actually as much technology mm-hmm. as what we might need to do in industry is mm-hmm. that seen as knowledge that we'll learn in industry but we also need that bridge between industry level stuff and where we currently are now so yep. that's kind of where our group is yep. trying yep. to position itself in helping students so in that sense um, I think the more people that we can get into industry that have problems that they're working on Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. and then they can potentially get some student kind of input into those problems might actually be a fresh take and it's a good link between both of those um, different environments Mm -hmm. and then give those students some background in not only what is going on as problems but also the opportunity to then speak up and then be engaged in those conversations. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So in terms of what you could improve about the system, when I mean the system, I'm talking edu- uh, secondary to tertiary and then tertiary to industry, in your opinion, what would you improve? Again, this is the balance between realistic and you know ideal. Whatever you think of, no constraints, what are your thoughts? What would you improve on? 
Yeah, look, I'm not sure. I think um, probably some more sort of investment development in technology on site at campus uh, would be really great. Um, so that's at the tertiary level? Yes, yeah. 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 Um, they already have like great facilities here in the workshop, um, but I guess it's just not really sort of, you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to seek out that information for yourself. So I think it'd be great just to know about the facilities available and have like classes where people can actually show you this is how you make a model and yeah. um, this is how you can use these different pieces of equipment that you know are just alien devices to some of us. True. And on that point of um, skills currency in these kind of courses, I think that one of the most important ones to have is on mental health. Wow. Because yeah. as, as young students, I think that we're going into these courses that are so heavily based on marks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different social pressures around being young mm-hmm. that then people are having all of these issues and then trying to deal with those in their own ways. And then if the university potentially had more of a, um, more of a system for incorporating that into courses yeah. then I think that people go into the workplace then with better values yeah yeah that could probably be said right through from secondary as well yeah, yeah it's like it's a big problem with teenagers so well, I know that universities have free mental health care plans for mm. students and I think it, I, I'm, I believe it's unlimited I'm not sure what the yeah. uh, logistics are with that but uh, that's actually a really valuable insight mm. and this is something that I've been thinking about what are your thoughts on skill sets that are applicable to any industry. Things like how to actually network or public speaking. So these are things that I actually love to teach myself in between the classes or whether they're in in an architectural class or outside of um, a university school environment. What are your thoughts on that content being available as part of a base curriculum? Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think um, it's sort of almost not enough to be like a whole new elective, but if you had just sort of knew that there were these like lecture nights or mm-hmm. these classes that you could go to free yeah. of charge where you could just talk to people who could sort of help you with that, help you with public speaking. Um, yeah, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, awesome. There you go. What about you, Cam? Um, personally, I think that marketing is an incredibly powerful tool at the moment, um, especially with the rise of the digital economy. Yeah. Um, the more that it's students can kind of focus on how they market that content I think the more the further they'll get within their careers yeah yeah especially in design you know you have to yeah. sell your idea so knowing I guess how to visualize that and, mm-hmm. and what to say to you know choose and such to get them to sort of properly understand your design is really important yeah yeah there you go so I think we've got a bit of everything in terms of the education system at a secondary level, tertiary level. Do you guys have any advice that you want to share with, you know, people your age or the students coming from, you know, into university in the next two, three, four years? Any wise words that you want to share? <laughs> oh man, go down to three subjects. Go down to three subjects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just be gentle with yourself and take it easy. You know, you have your whole life to to graduate. Um, so I wouldn't rush into anything. I wouldn't worry about graduating later. Just sort of take care of yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the last year is the fact that people within the industry that you're networking with mm-hmm. are really kind to the fact that you are a student. Yep. So when I first started talking to people, I was really nervous that I didn't really know anything and that like I think that I'm an idiot or <laughs> stuff like that. But um, the more that you see that actual 
uh, position as being a student as something extremely valuable. I think that that's really something that's helped me over the past year. That's actually really valuable because it's it, you have the label of a learner. Yeah. So it's almost like going up to anyone and being like, teach me. Yeah. yeah. And people cool. love teaching other people. If they, they can do. just talk about what they know for ages, I'll do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's really easy for them to talk about things that might be extremely complex for us mm-hmm. because it's what they do yeah. all the time. So they can just tell you in plain English, nice and simple, whereas if you're trying to learn that through YouTube or something else, you'll yep. just be going through endless hours of <laughs> yep. useless content potentially. So I, I actually feel like university students get a lot of respect as well from people outside of yeah. university because they think, oh, you know, he's a young person trying to better themselves and educate themselves, um, which I think is really powerful. Yep. It's a nice feeling. That's actually really wise words, guys, and I think you more or less set it in a different label, the power of actually approaching people, talking to people, networking, and getting yourself out there, learning constantly. So that's brilliant. And um, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Thank you. Ah, thanks. So that's it for today, folks. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to Burnt Alcon. Really cool username, by the way. Thanks for leaving your review and a five-star rating on, on the podcast. So Burnt Alcon says, Rishan's dedication to deep diving to design across multiple levels has given me a great insight into the industry. Absolutely love this podcast. So, mate, thank you so much for sharing the love. I'm planning on bringing more and more amazing guests like Cameron and Shannon today. And future thought leaders as well as the leaders of the industry currently. So stay tuned. Everyone else, if you would like your words to be read out across the listeners that we have in 14 different countries, jump online to Apple Podcasts and share the love. I know I will be super appreciated and grateful for you forever. I'll make it a personal point to respond to every single message I receive as well. So till next time, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.